So today we have two passages. Our first is from Ruth chapter 1, verse 22, um, to chapter 2, verse 23. And our second passage is from Luke chapter 15. So Ruth chapter 1, starting from verse 22. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favour. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is from the young Moabite woman, who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favour in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. 
And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young woman, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Our next passage is from Luke chapter 15, starting from verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And where he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of God. Well, good morning, everyone, at uh, the Esley Church at Home Groups. Uh, um, blessed day uh, today as you're gathering uh, there, and welcome to everyone here today at Esley Church at Ryan's Road as well. Uh, if, you have, if you've seen on the wide angle, you can see quite a few people here spaced out, and it's so great to be back together again. Uh, don't forget this Q&A after this sermon is uh, done, this service is over, so um, as you're chatting with people at home, uh, and even people here, uh, feel free to drop your comments or your questions into the YouTube feed, and uh, we'll answer them together at the end. And we might even take some questions here from the floor. Uh, just remind me to repeat the question for uh, those that are listening at home as well. For now, though, let me pray and ask God to bless us as we look at Ruth chapter 2. Father in heaven, thank you again for this day. Thank you again for your word. And thank you that you show us such grace 
You show us such grace by giving us and preserving for us your word. And we thank you for the grace of this chapter. So we pray for your Spirit's help that we might see and revel in the joy as we unfold this story. Father, we pray that you'd help us to engage our hearts and our heads as we listen to your word this morning. For we ask these things that our joy might increase and our desire to live for you uh, might increase. And we pray, Father, that you would do this work within us in Jesus' most beautiful name. Amen. What a day this is. Our first official relaunch. It was almost to the day, six months ago, that we began live streaming. It was the final sermon in our Jonah sermon series on the 15th of March, and our first live stream had a whopping 10 people watching it together. Six months later, and we've now officially relaunched here, and barring any further restrictions, this is going to be the pattern for church life for a little while longer. And for those who have registered today and those who want to register in the coming weeks, I guess the question that might have been on our minds is, what are we expecting when we return? What will it be like? Will there be the familiar feelings of being gathered together? Or will we, like Lucas this morning, walk in and think, wow, this is different and weird? Will we find a different situation? See, as we open Ruth chapter 2, a similar set of questions comes out of the text as well. Naomi and Ruth have been on quite a journey, turning from Moab and death and turning to Bethlehem and life. And they've received quite the warm welcome from the women of the town. But the question that we ask today as we open up this chapter is what do they expect to find from God? What sort of God have they returned to? Remember, Naomi turned away from Bethlehem at the start of chapter 1. In a time of famine and judgment, instead of seeking God's face in repentance, she and her family left. Now that they are back, well, what sort of treatment do they think that she deserves from God? Well, how about Ruth? Ruth has, in some ways, trusted what she has heard about Yahweh. But what sort of God will Yahweh prove to be? Will he prove faithful to those words that she has previously heard and trusted? And we'll find out these answers as, to those questions as we go along in the story. And as we do, you'll notice again this idea of providence. Right? Providence, that uh, as it is there on the outline, uh, up on the screen as well, means that God works in all things, in all events, his creatures and through nature, to bring about his good and intended purposes. Now, two questions flow from that definition as we consider Ruth chapter 2 today. The first question is, well, how do we see God work? And the second question is, what is God's intended purpose? Now, the answer to the first question comes in the opening verses, and the answer to the second question comes right at the end. So let's turn to our passage now and find out. At the end of chapter 1, we read that Naomi and Ruth have come back to Bethlehem at the start of the barley harvest. Now, if the narrator had jumped straight to chapter 2, verse 2, uh, it would have been a simple, nice transition. They come back, then Ruth says to Naomi, let me go out and glean. But the narrator pulls the reader aside and he whispers in our ears a particularly important piece of information, some news that is presently hidden to Ruth and Naomi. 
See, there's this guy, a relative of Naomi, a relative of her husband, not a stranger, but a man of the clan of Elimelech. Now, a clan is smaller than a tribe, but bigger than a family, but it's to say that he's a blood relative. Now, the mention of him being a relative is also implying that he's a single man. Now, this is important because as a relative and a single man, he has the duty to take care of Naomi and Ruth. And we'll see in, a, in what particular way later on in the book. We'll also find out that we also find out in this verse, just verse one, that he is a worthy man. Now, the word worthy could mean that he's either wealthy or a man of respectability. This is important to note because he could be either a wealthy man or an honorable man, not necessarily both together. Remember the context of this book, the time of the judges. Men in the time of the judges were incredibly violent. If there was ever a time of toxic masculinity, then the time of the judges had it in spades. Now, finally, we find out the name of this man, Boaz. Boaz means strength is within him. But what sort of strength? Well, let's read on and find out. The narrator takes us back to the action. We open up to the first scene between Naomi and Ruth. Ruth leans over to her mother-in-law and says she's off to the fields to glean among the ears of grain. And notice in verse 2 that she is Ruth the Moabite. We're going to be reminded four times in this chapter that she is a foreigner, an outsider. Now, to glean basically means that you're in the fields, and as the harvesters go through, uh, you get to go behind them and search for bits left over and pick up any scraps. It's a picture of desperation, very much like the picture of a homeless person looking through the rubbish, looking through a rubbish bin for food scraps. To glean in the fields was also something allowed by the law of Moses. Here's an example from Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. God gave this law here to Israel that the poor might be looked after. In Deuteronomy, the same law, in the same law, he connects it to their time of slavery. And he reminds them, he's reminding them, you were slaves at one point, but I took care of you, so you take care of the poor and the oppressed. But remember again, this story is set within the time of the judges, a time when God was not Israel's king. And so when Ruth says, let me glean in the field after him in whose sight I find favor, She's really hoping for the best. So Ruth heads out of town. She finds a field and starts to glean. And what do you know? She happens to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who, remember, is of the clan of Elimelech. She happened to come is literally her chance chanced upon the allotted portion of the field belonging to Boaz. In an ironic way, the narrator is kind of screaming to the reader, can you see the hand of God in this? The same hand that sent the famine in chapter 1, verse 1, and then provided the food in chapter 1, verse 6, is the hand that has brought Naomi and Ruth to Bethlehem precisely at the beginning of the harvest in one, chapter 1, verse 22, and has now guided Ruth to the portion of the field belonging to our mystery man, Boaz. 
what some people call coincidence, the Bible calls providence. In, verses, uh, in three verses, the narrator has kind of skillfully been setting this up. Because look at verse 4. And now look who turns up now. It's Boaz coming out from Bethlehem. What some people call coincidence, the Bible calls providence. Boaz, the man from the clan of Elimelech, their relative, turns up. But what sort of man is he going to be? Is he a wealthy man who is also mean and unkind to foreigners and widows? Or is he a respectable man who will be gentle, kind and compassionate? Again, we don't have to wait for long because the first words from Boaz's mouth are words of grace. You notice as we go on in the story that his words from beginning to end are filled with grace. He greets his workers in Yahweh's name. They greet him in Yahweh's name in return. And the way that they respond to him is positive. He's a well-liked man. He seems to be a good boss. And it doesn't take long for him to notice Ruth. So he turns to one of his young men and he asks, those, uh, he asks whose young woman is this? The young man replies in verse 6, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Notice the repetition of the word young in verses 5 and 6. Everyone is young in this scene except for Boaz. An important little detail for chapter 3. Now notice also the question that Boaz asks. He doesn't ask who is she, he asks who does she belong to? The answer given by the foreman in charge doesn't quite answer the question either. He actually just tells Boaz who she is. And then in verse 7, how hardworking she's been. Now, Ruth came early in the morning and has been very hard at work except for a short rest. So, so far, we've learned a little bit about Boaz here. He's a relative Naomi. He's a single guy. He seems to be much older and he appears to be a fairly nice guy. We've also learned a lot about Ruth so far. And here we learn that she is an extremely hard worker. Now, with all that set up, the moment we have all been waiting for is now here. The two finally meet. And before you get too excited, let me take a pause for a moment. Because the book of Ruth is often seen as this love story. And this moment is often painted as the moment that their eyes lock together for the first time and sparkles happen. But I want to say, hold your horses. Take off those rose-tinted glasses and let's just read the story for what it is and see how actually platonic this is all. Uh, don't miss the detail because we're rushing for the romance. So they meet and Boaz speaks for the first time. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to me to verses 8 and 9 and read again with me. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Now notice again that Boaz's words are filled with grace. His, his tone exudes compassion and generosity. He refers to Ruth as my daughter. Not exactly romantic. Uh, it's language that echoes how Naomi, a much older woman, addressed Ruth. And it's, appropriate. it's an appropriate word to help highlight their age gap, but it's also a tender word. It's an address that shows how much Boaz considers his responsibility towards Ruth. Despite the fact that she is a Moabite, he looks upon her as a tender father. 
He tells her, do not glean in another field or leave this one. There, there is no need for Ruth to be anywhere else. Keep close to my young women is literally cling to them. The same word that we read of Ruth clinging to Naomi in chapter 1, verse 14. And in verse 9, he repeats the command, keep close to the other young, to the other young women in his field. And then in a loving, tender father caring for his daughter kind of way, he provides protection for her. He has warned his young men, do not touch or harass her. The first anti-sexual harassment policy in the workplace is recorded right here in the Bible. He offers her protection and then he provides for her. Gleaning in the fields is hot, thirsty work. And so when she needs to, she's free to drink the water the young men have drawn. Usually, it's foreigners who draw water for Israel. Remember in Joshua chapter 9, the Gibeonites, like these foreigners who are put to work as the water drawers for Israel? Well, and it's usually women who draw water for men. And so what Boaz is offering here is this kind of stunning and kind and generous reversal. And in the face of such generosity, it's little wonder that Ruth is stunned. She falls to the ground, bowing down in reverence and asks, why have I found favor in your eyes? Why have you taken notice of me since I'm a foreigner? Ruth is deeply conscious that she has no rights in this situation. She is stunned that Boaz is completely indifferent to her social and racial inferiority. Boaz explains why he's being so generous in verse 11. It's because he has heard all about Ruth and what she has done for Naomi, what she did in leaving her homeland and sacrificing all to follow Naomi, how she left her father and mother and native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Boaz recognizes that behind Ruth's decision was faith, a faith in the covenant promises of the covenant God, Yahweh. Like Abraham before her, Ruth has made a big decision to commit herself to Yahweh and an uncertain future. But she trusted Yahweh. So in verse 12, he blesses her. Have a look again at verse 12. Yahweh repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by Yahweh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Notice the way that Boaz blesses her. And the picture he uses, in, in one of the most beautiful pictures of divine care, Boaz imagines Yahweh as a mother bird care, off, who offers her wings for the protection of her defenseless young. When Yahweh cares for his people, he does so as a mother bird protecting her young. And he does this out of his loving kindness, his hesed. It's a word that, that comes up a few times in this book and is an important theme. God loves and protects his people not because they are lovely, not because they deserve it, but because he has promised to. He has made a covenant with them and he is faithful to that word. Ruth has come under the wings of Yahweh. She has found refuge there. She has found protection and she has found provision. She is experiencing Yahweh's hesed, and she receives grace upon grace. Boaz blesses her in the name of Yahweh and also shows hesed himself, giving her protection in his field and provision when she needs. Boaz 
is a reflection of Yahweh's hesed. From start to finish, he is filled with grace and compassion. He is loving kindness in the flesh. And it doesn't stop there. In verse 14, as everyone sits down for lunch, he invites Ruth to join them. You think about it for a moment. When Ruth went out for that morning to go glean in the fields, what lunch did she pack? It wouldn't have been anything. It's not hard to imagine that she would be sitting there at lunchtime picking through the gleanings and to try and pick off some small snack and not eat everything uh, that she needs to save for dinner when she takes back home to Naomi. And so what Boaz does here is break convention in a number of ways. Right? He invites a foreign woman to join them for a meal. Now, some people here eat to live. Other people here, like myself, live to eat. All right? For Israel, a meal was significant for the company that you had. So when Boaz sits down with his reapers, he's saying he's got a special relationship with them. A wealthy landowner eats with his servants. There's a, there's a wonderful equality and humility there. And then he invites this foreign woman to join them, and then he personally hands her some roasted grain. Wow. And finally, she eats until she is satisfied and has some leftovers. But the generosity of grace and provisions and protection doesn't end there. There is more grace to come. Verse 15 and 16. When Ruth isn't looking, he speaks with some of his men and he tells them not only to let her continue to glean, but to pull out extra from their bundles. Boaz's generosity here is almost comical. We're picturing the young men tugging on the good stalks and saying to Ruth, Hey Ruth, look over there. There's a pile I've left for you over here. And there's more over there and just... Just so you know, around the corner, there's a little bit more to help yourself to as much as you like. And he tells his young men not to reproach her, do not rebuke her. Right? The Old Testament laws allowed for gleaning with some sort of sensible limits. But here the generosity is that she can gather as much as she would like. And the young men are not to embarrass her or shame her. No sniping at her. No subtle jabs at her foreign status. No cutting words about her being a widow or her poverty. Oh, wow, the provision and the protection and the kindness of Boaz is a reflection of God's loving kindness, his hesed. For a moment, for the moment we, from the moment we met him in verse 4 to the final moments here, his words and his actions are filled with grace, compassion, and generosity. He is hesed in the flesh. How generous Boaz has been can be seen there in verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. So when Ruth finishes up for the day, she manages to beat out an ephah of barley. And if you want to know how much an ephah of barley is, you have a look at your footnote, and we're told that it's like three-fifths of a bushel, uh, which doesn't help, or 22 litres. 22 litres is about the size of a medium backpack, and it would have weighed about 15 to 20 kilos. Carry on, verse 18. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and she said, The man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. She carries it off to Naomi and 
Not only she shows off the backpack full of barley, she also brings out the leftovers from lunch. And naturally, her mother-in-law asks, how did she manage to get all this food? And then Ruth tells her, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Now, notice again very quickly, in verses 17 to 19, how everyone is anonymous. She gleaned, she beat out, she took it up, her mother-in-law. We know it's Ruth and Naomi, but everyone is anonymous in this moment until the dramatic reveal of the name Boaz. The mystery man in chapter 2, verse 1, who was hidden at the start, is now revealed to Naomi. And then at the sound of his name in verse 20, Naomi's name comes back into the picture. Verse 20, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by Yahweh, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours one of our redeemers. See, in response to the generosity that laid, laid out before her, Naomi blesses Boaz in Yahweh's name. Remember the last time she spoke and uttered Yahweh's name? It was in complaint. And now she speaks his name in blessing. She sees Boaz's kindness as the loving kindness and covenant faithfulness from Yahweh. She sees hesed. She recognizes that God's hesed has not forsaken the living or the dead. See, we recognize God's providence in action. How do we see God at work? He's ordered the steps of Ruth so that she would meet Boaz. What is God's intended purpose in all of this? To show Naomi that his hesed has not abandoned her. And then Naomi lets out what we knew from the very beginning of the story, that Boaz is a close relative and a redeemer. God's providence protects and provides for them and gives them a redeemer. Now, redeemer in this context was someone within the family who had the responsibility to maintain the wholeness and the health of the family, even after a person died. So Boaz, the Redeemer, is meant to look after Naomi and Ruth and make sure that the names of Elimelech, Marlon, and Killian are not forgotten. Do you remember how in chapter 1, when in chapter 1 they head off to Moab, but Moab steals the lives of Elimelech, Marlon, and Killian and then stole their names? But now that Naomi realizes Boaz is their Redeemer, well, the names of her husband and her sons may not be lost forever. Here at the end, Naomi now sees that God's loving kindness, his hesed, has not abandoned them. When they return to the God of the covenant in his promised land, what were they expecting? What did they find? They found a man of standing, a worthy man, who was related to them by covenant, a relative, and a redeemer who pledged to look after them and protect them. They find a redeemer. A redeemer whose words and actions find their fulfillment in our redeemer. An infinitely worthy man who is related to us by covenant. A redeemer who pledges to protect and provide for his people. The gracious character of Boaz in all of his grace and generosity is fulfilled for us in bigger and more eternal ways through Jesus Christ. 
the one who the Apostle John says is full of grace and truth. Naomi and Ruth in particular receive grace upon grace in this chapter. In Christ, the Apostle John says, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. What Boaz is able to provide temporarily for Ruth and Naomi, Jesus gives us eternally. And in doing so, we experience God's hesed to us. Ruth chapter 2 is this wondrous chapter showing us what Naomi and Ruth found when they turned back to Bethlehem, when they turned away from death and turned to life. And in a bigger way, Ruth chapter 2 prepares us to see the gospel, the good news of what we will find if we turn away from sin and death and turn to life in Christ. We will find a redeemer. And so friends, have you turned from death to life? And if you have, what do you expect to find when you turn to life in Christ? As we, as we step back and survey this chapter, I think we see two things in action. We see God clearly and providentially order the steps of Ruth so that she would meet Boaz. And Boaz himself turns out to be this kind and generous man, a reflection of God's loving kindness. And Naomi recognizes this as well. And when Naomi and Ruth return to the promised land to Bethlehem and essentially return to God, I wonder what they were expecting. I bet they weren't expecting this. Ruth chapter 2 is a joyful and delightful surprise. The God they return to has turned out to be far more gracious than they expected. And Jesus confirms that God is like this as well. In probably his most famous parable, the parable of the prodigal son, Jesus tells of a young man who takes his father's inheritance, squanders it all away, and ends up destitute. And in one last-ditch effort to get himself out of poverty, he decides to return home. He figures that he can return with the hope to become one of his father's hired servants. He returns home not expecting to be welcomed, not to be forgiven, but to be put into hard work to repay his father. But instead, Jesus turns the story on its head. The father sees his son from a distance. His heart is filled with compassion, and he runs to greet his son. He showers him with hugs and kisses. He orders the robe and the ring of the family to be given to his boy. And then he brings out the fattened calf and, a, and has a block party to celebrate the return of his son. It is completely unexpected, completely undeserved. But this story from Jesus reflects the God that Naomi and Ruth have returned to, a God who is compassionate, kind, full of grace and generosity, a God whose covenant faithfulness and loving kindness never abandons his people. Friends, if you're watching in today, maybe you're sitting here too. And if you aren't a Christian or if you're not sure, and if you're thinking to yourself, what awaits me if I turn to Christ? And I know for some of you watching today, the question is, what awaits me if I return to Christ? Well, what Ruth chapter 2 helps us to see and what Jesus ultimately says is true 
is that there is a loving, kind, compassionate, and gracious God. When you return to Christ, what will you find? Like Naomi and Ruth, you'll find a man of worth, related to you by covenant, and a redeemer who is pledged to look after you and protect you. you know, the Christian faith is often painted as one of rules and restrictions. And if that's been your experience, then I want to invite you to today to come to the God of the Bible and experience for yourself the true joy that awaits. It's an invitation of Ruth chapter 2 and the invitation to surprising and abundant joy and grace. And there's an encouragement here as well for the Christians who have sinned. Maybe you've messed, made a mess of your life. Maybe you've stumbled into sin again. Maybe you woke up this morning after a hard week or a hard evening and you think, thought to yourself, gosh, can I really keep doing this? And because of what Jesus has done for you, he has given his life in your place. He has washed you clean by the blood. What do you expect to find when you return to Christ, when you repent? The answer, a God who is compassionate and kind and loving and generous and gracious. A God who welcomes you because of his son, Jesus Christ. And when you repent, you find a redeemer who has given his life for yours and someone who has pledged with his blood and promised by his spirit to keep protecting you and providing for you and changing you and growing you. This is the God who is revealed to Naomi and Ruth. This is the God that we read about in Ruth chapter 2. This is the God who Jesus ultimately reveals to us. There is a joy to this story that should bring a smile to our faces as, as we have read through that, as we read through that sense of joy and, and laughter and of relief settles upon us. And, and if it hasn't, then you are made of stronger stuff than me. But I do think that it's good that we think about how we feel as we read through this passage. How we feel about Boaz. And how he points to our true Redeemer in Jesus. That, that's not a question we often ask, but it is a good question particularly for this week. Remember because Ruth chapter 1 left us on a bit of a downer. A, a, a sadness at all that Naomi had lost. We felt her bitterness and her anguish. And then as we walk through this chapter, we've seen God's providential kindness shine through. Bitterness gives way to relief, comfort, and joy. It's a joyful experience reading through this chapter because the narrator wants us to rejoice at how, as God has providentially worked through this tragedy. Boaz enters the picture. His words are full of grace with his workers. He is tender to Ruth, completely ignoring her foreigner status and being generous to her. He offers her a warm meal for lunch and provides generously to her. The narrator wants us to feel with this story a sense of warmth and joy in the presence of this Redeemer. And ultimately, this grace upon grace, this generosity shows us what Jesus is like. So do you feel the joy of the narrator? Because he wants us to. He wanted us to feel the biting cold that Naomi felt in her bitterness. And here, he wants us to feel the warmth of the sun as it shakes off every bit of coldness. 
we are left with a deep sense of joy as we see God's hesed in the flesh. So do you feel the, joy, the, do you feel the joy of the narrator? The joy of the story has, I think, two final encouragements for us as well this morning. First, it encourages those who are going through trials and suffering. I know that there are some watching us who have battled through chronic pain for months, if not years. And I know there are some who have remembered painful anniversaries recently. The loss of fathers, the loss of loved ones. Recent conversations I've had with some people reveal a general vibe that people just feel tired. It's been a big year. The the weariness of the year has really started to settle in on some people. And some people are feeling spiritual weariness as well. Some are feeling a lack of joy in their lives. At the end of chapter 1, we saw the suffering of Naomi, a woman who had lost almost everything. And in bitterness, she cried out to God. But here in chapter 2, we have seen that Yahweh has not abandoned her to her suffering. In this chapter, suffering gives way to relief and joy. Ruth chapter 2 is not promising that God will remove all of your suffering in life. Even, even, that even turning back to him is not a promise that he will take it away. But it is a promise that when we turn back to God, we will find a redeemer in Jesus. And because of that, no matter what pain or suffering or joylessness we experience now, there will come a day when we will meet our redeemer face to face when we will experience in person the fullness of His grace, and all of that pain will give way to relief and comfort and joy. Ruth chapter 2 gives us a picture of that day to come. So revisit it, and do not give up on Jesus. Secondly, One of the great joys of this passage is we see God's loving kindness lived out in the life of Boaz. Boaz is a great guy. Not only are his words full of grace, but his actions are saturated in the loving kindness that reflects his God, Yahweh. He's a shining example of what a godly Israelite looks like. Someone whose actions and words reveal the character of God. Boaz is a brief and small glimpse into the ultimate revelation of God's hesed, Jesus. And, those who, and as those called to imitate Jesus, Christians are to exemplify this compassion, concern, grace and generosity that we've also seen in Boaz in this chapter. A, a kindness, especially to those in need among us and, in, and those in need in this world. So it's worth asking, how much of God's hesed do we see lived out in our own lives? If the loving kindness of God is overflowing in what we say and what we do, in what practical ways will grace and generosity flow out of our lives? As a follower of Jesus, I want my life to be filled with hesed, hesed in the flesh, a life where my words are marked by grace, where my actions are generous and where I keep pointing people back to my Savior. How about you? In these opening chapters to the book of Ruth, we've been on quite a journey with Naomi and Ruth. Uh, The bitterness that was tasted in chapter 1 is replaced with sweet grace in chapter 2. But despite all of that, and I hate to finish on a bit of a downer, 
despite all the goodness and the grace that we've seen, this chapter does end on a little bit of a flat note. Read again with me in chapter 2, verse 23. So Ruth kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Remember, Naomi and Ruth entered Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, we're told here that Ruth steadily worked in the fields until the end of the barley harvest. That's about two months. The narrator told us in verse 1, and Naomi repeats in verse 20, that Boaz is a close relative, a redeemer. But for almost two months, he doesn't seem to do much about that. Boaz has helped Naomi and Ruth economically, but he hasn't done anything about the real crisis in their family. So when the narrator tells us that Ruth lived with her mother-in-law, that is not a, and they lived happily ever after, finish. Two widows on their own is not a good situation. And with the barley harvest coming to an end, it also means their food will dry up again soon. Boaz asked a question earlier to his young men, who does this young woman belong to? And the answer by the end of chapter 2 is to that question is still nobody. I do not intend for this to sound patriarchal or misogynistic, but the reality for Ruth and Naomi is that without a man in their lives, there is no one to protect and provide for them. And so, with this unresolved drama in the story, we turn to our next chapter next week to find out how it will be resolved. For now, let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you that in your providential kindness, bitterness gives way to comfort, relief, and joy. Thank you as we've seen today that as Ruth encounters her Redeemer, this gives us a glimpse into the picture of what we will find when we turn back to you. We find our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is full of grace and compassion. Thank you that in Jesus we have received grace upon grace. Father, help us to respond with joy at this great news. And then help us to live out this hesed in our lives. As people look at us, they will be able to see grace and compassion at every turn. For we ask these things for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name. Amen.